Hello, and welcome to this episode of Fathom in Conversation, a new economics podcast. This is brought to you by Fathom Consulting, an independent research consultancy specializing in macroeconomics, geopolitics, and financial markets. In this series, titled The Rise of China, we explore the emergence of China, its extraordinary economic boom, and the impact that's had on the rest of the world. Each episode features an in-depth discussion with Fathom's team of economists, who use their knowledge and expertise to provide insights into the Chinese economy. Episode 4, China, leapfrogging up the global value chain. Hi, I'm Andrew Harris. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Joanna Davies. Hiya. And Laura Eaton. Hi. Today, we're going to discuss how China is faring in its attempts to maintain and increase its share of global trade. Last time, we touched upon how China's emergence has impacted prices globally. Today, we'll continue exploring this theme, answering three key questions. The first is how China managed to gain such a dominant share in lower-end product markets. The second is whether it can now move up the global value chain into high-end markets. And the third is how it might attempt to make this transition. So, Laura, turning to you first, can you provide us an overview on the first point, how China managed to gain a large market share in low-end product markets? So, China has pursued an export and investment-led growth strategy since the 1980s when Deng Xiaoping came into power. And this has returned at double-digit growth rates ever since, except the last couple of years. The way in which it's achieved this is to price its goods extremely competitively in order to gain access to this global market. And there's three channels which it's used in order to do that. So the first is state-owned enterprises have received large subsidies from the government. Second is it has a cheap and plentiful labour supply. And thirdly, it's used exchange rate manipulation in order to price its goods abroad, so maintain that price in US dollar terms for over a decade. So effectively, it's a price maker rather than a price taker. So another factor is that since joining the World Trade Organization in the early 2000s, China's also had access to a far larger market share, and that's an opportunity that it's well and truly exploited. So not only has it been able to export at lower prices, it's also been able to export more, and that's helped bid down inflation globally, so bid down prices. Indeed, we've actually seen China's uh, share of global manufactured products decline slightly. So if they wish to increase market share once more, they really face two alternatives. Their first option would be to outmuscle more competitors in their existing low-end product markets. But the second option would be to move into new high-tech markets. So Joanna, have we seen any sign of either of these? So yes, on both fronts. So well, with regards to the first, we carry that data. So uh, the China's share of world merchandise exports on Fathom's chart book, and that's hosted on Refinitiv's data stream and icon platforms. And that's, I would describe it a bit like a Nike tick. So it's got that sharp ascent. And then more recently, it's just kind of got a little downward hook on the end. Um, and then in terms of the second, so China's push into these new high tech sectors. So a way of climbing up the value add chain, leaning, leaving behind behind what it used to be so good at producing and upgrading its enormous manufacturing base into this 
high-tech advanced powerhouse um that's something that president xi has advocated in his made in china 2025 plan but it's probably worth noting that actually that goal or ambition has been around in various different guises since the 1980s that sounds really interesting and it's um something we've looked into in the past indeed we've built our own uh database on this the fathom ricardo database so joanna can you tell us more about that Of course. So what was really interesting is despite all the fanfare around this plan, um, there was actually very little accurate or uh, timely data available in terms of China's progress. So we ended up creating our own measure of that from 2000 different types of goods exports. We weeded out all of those that pertained to the Made in China 2025 plan. So those that were high tech, IT, robotics, medical equipment, Um, And we use that to form, as you say, our Fathom Ricardo database. And that gives us unique insights into not just China's advance in those industries, but also on a global basis. And just to note that this Ricardo database, the China series, will appear as part of Refinitiv's broader China data expansion this year. And so this will include three variables for all of the nine high-tech sectors, such as IT and robotics. And those are global market share, the level of exports, and also the degree of specialization within each of these sectors. So what we found really handy is that we've got this on a time series basis. And from that, you can see that prior to President Xi, China enjoyed a period of rapid expansion or acceleration in these high-tech fields. So it was exporting more of those as a share of its total exports. But more recently, progress in those sectors hasn't only stalled, but it's collapsed back down to where it was almost a decade ago. Yeah, that's not entirely surprising, is it? These are very difficult industries to break into. You need to be at the technological forefront to do that. So China's facing a near impossible task. Um, Have we seen any signs that China's making progress in these industries? Yeah, so our line on this is that progress has stalled because China has imitated other economies' technology within these sectors, and now it needs to innovate itself, and that's where it's struggling. So one tactic which China has deployed is using its capital outward direct investment, particularly gaining stakes in China-based foreign-owned subsidiaries in order to gain access to these, the intellectual property within these companies. So this is informed by Fathom's China Capital Flows database, and this is a bottom-up estimates created from the deal levels the 25,000 deals within this data set you can only get it from us it's considerably better than the official estimates firstly because you can get it by sector by country back to 2005 on a daily basis and it also excludes the issues such as round tripping um, so investment via Hong Kong So using this database, we found some interesting conclusions on this particular topic. So one is thinking about robotics and robotics, according to our Ricardo data set, it's trailing behind in terms of global market share. However, Germany isn't. And 50% of investment in industrial machinery companies, according to our Capflows database, is in German-owned firms. And a similar story can be told of computers and electronic sectors, which they focus on US-owned firms. So I suppose to summarise, although enticed by the offer of a larger market, perhaps foreign businesses and policymakers alike should be careful what they wish for when they're trying to encourage China to open the doors to foreign investment. 
As you say, it remains to be seen whether China can be successful in moving up the global value chain. Clearly, the result of this matters significantly for the global economy as well as for China itself. On that note, we're brought to the end of our episode. So thank you, Joanna. Thank you. And Laura for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. This time, we've heard how an abundance of labour has enabled China to become a leading player in lower-end manufacturing markets. And we've discussed the ways in which China might acquire know-how and move up the global value chain. As you can tell, much of the information discussed in this episode is derived from two of Fathom's proprietary economic databases. If you're interested in the Ricardo database mentioned by Joanna, why not take a look at the note, China's latest power grab, all hot air. Or alternatively, if you're interested in capital flows, why not look at the note, China using capital flows to leapfrog up the global value chain. Next time, we'll turn our attention global again and ask what role China played in the build-up to the global financial crisis. To read any of the material referenced in this episode or any other, go to the podcast section of our website at fathom-consulting.com where you can find the show notes. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future content. Thank you for listening to Fathom in Conversation. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fathom Consulting, presented by me, Andrew Harris, and both edited and produced by Liara Gabai. Fathom is an independent consultancy specializing in global macroeconomics, geopolitics, and financial market research. Our economists also produce in-depth research on China, and we have built a suite of analytical indicators specifically to monitor the Chinese economy. To find out more about our research and bespoke consultancy work, go to fathom-consulting.com. If you're interested in the data side of things, check out Fathom's chart book on Affinitiv's data stream and icon platform. This is our library of over 9,000 ready-made charts containing up-to-date global, macroeconomic and financial market data. Simply type CBook into your icon search bar to find out more. From all of us here at Fathom, thanks for listening to Fathom in Conversation.